the values i mean look obviously people want to win but i mean i must admit our very first season we lost every match and some by quite considerable numbers and obviously the club we've improved a lot since then but winning wasn't everything and that was actually something important to me we also didn't want to lose every game um that changed the second season but yeah that was a very important value and just people being really encouraging like even though i didn't know what the hell i was doing still everyone in the change room was like oh you're doing such a good job Noah." and i'm like are you all really just being nice or like do you really mean that? And I think it was probably a bit of both. But that encouraging atmosphere is something that's never gone away um, at every level of the club, which was fantastic. And welcome back to the Pride and Puck podcast. This is episode number 10. I can't believe that I've nearly completed a full season of this podcast. I never thought I'd actually get here. We are part of Hockey Hype Australia. This is part of the Hockey Hype Australia podcast network. Um, And today, as I say nearly every episode, I'm excited to have this person on today. Um, And I think you're going to like having a a listen to, to what this person has to say. Noah Reisman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I think you might be overhyping me, but sure. <laughs> no, that, that's not not from what I've heard. <laughs> okay, I don't know who you've been talking to, but let's see how we go. <laughs> I was actually I was actually thinking today, it's probably a good time to actually have you on, considering that it's Trans Awareness Week, um, and you're you're an author, and one of your latest works, your most recent works, is Transgender Australia, a history since 1910. Um, can you just tell the listeners out there um, about about the book um, and where they can find it? Sure. Although, I mean, to be fair, I think uh, a trans person would probably be better to talk to for Trans Awareness Week. I'm a cis guy. Um, but look, I'm a historian, um, and I do research on LGBTIQ plus history, and that book is the fruits of one of my most recent projects which was looking at a history of trans people in australia so it looks at the changing social medical legal living experiences of trans people since the early 20th century um there is a small section of one chapter that looks at histories of trans people in sport in australia though there is no ice hockey in that sorry um of course we do have trans ice hockey players absolutely just they they're so contemporary that they didn't make my history book. But yeah, look, the book um, is available from plenty of independent booksellers are carrying it, or um, it was published by Melbourne University Press. So you can go on to the Melbourne University Press website and order it from them. And I think it's really cool because I think it's important to have things like this because it just seems most recently, especially every corner you turn to, trans people are getting attacked left, right and centre. Uh, from all corners so it's good to have this sort of stuff out there to talk about that a little bit in the last chapter I I know it's not really the topic for today but a lot of that has been I mean we've seen so much progress in acceptance and in rights for trans people but of course every time there's progress there's a massive backlash and that's what we're living through now and I think what's really accelerated that backlash was the marriage equality vote and legalization in 2017 where basically the way I put it now that gay and lesbian people have for the most part 
broadly speaking, one mainstream acceptance, now the haters have turned on trans people. And that's also all the more reason why gay and lesbian and bisexual people need to stand up in solidarity as allies with our trans siblings. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. From a uh, ice hockey perspective now, I, I've got I've got something here that someone told me about you. Uh, oh Lord, <laughs> it's not. You know, it's 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 all good. Uh, and I quote: I won't I won't tell you who it is. Obviously, uh, right. says here he's God tier, can do no wrong. Ten out of ten. What does it make you? How does it make you feel when you hear something like that from someone at Southern Lights? Have they not seen me play? I do think they're off all the time. I don't know who saying that. Obviously, someone who hasn't seen me play for a while. I did have a good match Sunday, though. I don't think I screwed. No, I screwed up a few things on Sunday. Anyway, that's very kind from whoever said that. That's very kind. <laughs> um, you grew up in Boston. People can probably obviously tell by the accent that you're not originally from Australia. Um, you grew up in the suburbs of Boston. What was that like? Well, look, I mean, as a kid, suburbia is great. And then when you become a teenager, it's boring as batshit. But no, look, I, I, it was fine. It was good. And one thing that obviously Boston is well known for its ice hockey. I actually had no interest whatsoever in ice hockey when I was a kid. Um, my dad used to play ice hockey when he was a teenager. And he really wanted me to play ice hockey um, I actually don't remember this. My mother has told me this, that he really wanted me to play ice hockey. But my dirty little secret is that I actually, as a young kid, was doing figure skating. And that was because of my sister. Like, I really looked up to my sister and wanted to do everything my sister did. And so she did figure skating. And actually, when I was really young, my dad used to build an ice rink in our backyard. Like, he had these wooden boards and every winter he would set them up and then he'd put sort of like a plastic tarp down and then he'd fill it with water and it would freeze. And we had like this little ice rink in our backyard that my sister and I used to use. God, how old would I have been then? I was probably about six or seven years old when, they, when my dad used to do that. And also took skating lessons at like a real ice rink as well. But yeah, that, that's uh, my dirty little secret as a little kid. <laughs> that is so cool to have that in the backyard. It'd be it'd be so cool if we had that here in Australia. <laughs> it's not cold enough. It's actually I don't think it's it's not cold enough really in Boston anymore to do that probably because of climate change. But as a kid, it certainly was. Um, how were you as a figure skater? Uh, yeah, I was fine. I don't think I could do anything fancy. I did it from when I was God. I'm trying to remember. Probably from like six till nine or six till ten. I would, I took up soccer after that. So. Um, my sister was much better, but there was one infamous incident where at like the sort of end of term show, you know, we were doing a number to, I heard it through the grapevine and my hat came off. And then like when the hat came off, I went back to get it and it threw things off. And then like, all I remember is ever after that, always my family was like, if your hat comes off, just let it go. Or, so, so. <laughs> I've talked to many people about this. I can't believe I'm sharing this in a podcast. <laughs> That's that's what the podcast is all about. <laughs> um, growing up in Boston, you mentioned it before about hockey, and obviously everyone knows if they if they know hockey, they know the Boston Bruins. How how big is hockey in Boston? Like, can you explain to people who have sort of never been there or um, never travelled to the states? Is it how big is it? Also, not the biggest sport, I'd say. 
I mean, in Boston, so, you know, your four big professional sports being baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. To be honest, this might surprise people, but hockey probably is number four on that list. Boston sports fans are mad, and the Boston Red Sox, the baseball team, always come first. But that said, like, look, people are very into the Bruins, and ice hockey was was certainly a big sport in high school. Like, my high school was one of the first in the state to have a women's team, in addition to a men's team. So... It's big, but it's not like Canada. I'd put it that way. It's bigger than in most parts of the U.S., but even so, the, I mean, if I'm being honest here, the other sports are just as big, if not bigger. And you mentioned your sister and um, you looked up to your sister. Uh, was there any other reason why you didn't want to try hockey? Or was it purely just because you wanted to follow in your sister's footsteps? Or was there something um, about hockey that you didn't, that you didn't necessarily um, like? He was super, I don't think I was interested in physical sports. I definitely wasn't. So I did, after doing figure skating, played played soccer. And look, obviously loved soccer, but it's not that really physical contact sport. That's never, until I took up hockey like four years ago, never been something I've been interested in at all. So uh, figure skating and soccer. So that means you're, you've got a lot of finesse when you play sport. Is that correct? <laughs> Um, according to whoever gave you that quote, maybe I don't think so. <laughs> I, did, I would say this, and this was one reason why I think I did take Thai soccer. I have balance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you definitely okay. need that. We'll go with finesse, but we'll go with balance. I have balance. <laughs> well, this is sort of really. I mean, I never skied as a kid. A lot of people from the Boston area who have means do go skiing. My family, we never took up skiing, but. The first time I went skiing, it was in New Zealand in 2009, and I picked it up like that. But again, it was the balance, I think, in the skills. <laughs> I remember actually, that's right. I remember when I took the ski lesson, the um, the instructor, I was like, oh, well, I know how to skate. And when I was a kid, I used to skate. And she was like, oh, well, that's a transferable skill. No wonder you picked this up so quickly. Like, okay. <laughs> hey, well, you take it whenever you can. <laughs> um. And then moving to Australia. So can you talk about the decision to come over here? Um, obviously, was it on a professional level? Yes, it was, but I knew I wanted to be here. So when I was a university student, I did an exchange program in Melbourne and just fell in love with the city. Um, so I went back, finished my degree, worked for a few months, and then I applied to do a PhD at the University of Melbourne in history, hence why I'm a historian. Um, and got accepted to that with a scholarship. So I did my PhD at the University of Melbourne and then fell into a job and stayed. So and I have no interest whatsoever in going back to the US. I mean, the accent doesn't go away, but I am Australian citizen and, uh, you know, we're a country of immigrants. I'm now an immigrant. Yeah, you hear that a lot. People come here and they just don't want to leave. <laughs> well, it's a great place. And I mean, well, look, we'll save it for another podcast, but let's just say that I think <laughs> the bin fire that is my homeland it's, it's actually really sad but i have no interest in going back there and in fact i keep encouraging people to get out while they still can um it's a question i ask a lot of people did you know that there was hockey here before you arrived and were and, and were and were you surprised when you found out there was hockey here <laughs> yes i was i think how did i first find out it was years ago when it was before Docklands Rink opened, so there was only Oakley. And some friend was like, oh, do you want to go to a skate day with the Melbourne Ice? And I was like, who the hell are the Melbourne Ice? 
and she was like, oh, they're the Melbourne ice hockey team. And I was like, Melbourne has an ice hockey team? Um, <laughs> I think that was the first time I had ever heard about it. And yeah, like I said, it was before Docklands opened. So I don't know what year Docklands opened, but this was definitely a while ago. Yeah, I, I'm like, I'm fully fledged Australian. And before 2010, so I went down to watch some Melbourne Mustangs um, when they were trying to get into the the league. And I had no idea they had hockey here. <laughs> so there, so when I was here, I, sometimes I get people that are from overseas on a podcast and they're like, yeah, I knew about it. I'm like, how did you know? And I didn't even know. And I live here. <laughs> I do play all my American friends are like, wait, you took that up in Australia? And, and all the Australians assume that I took it up in the US. So, you know, there you go. Well, there you go. So you can tell everyone you started your career here when you make the big time. That's right. In the big time, something <laughs> like that. The big time in Australia, not the Boston Bruins. <laughs> um, and how did you find the Southern Lights? How did I find them? So, <clears throat> trying to remember, I definitely I remember going to a Mustangs Pride round, one of the first ones they had, and I was there with a mate. And at the time, it was just before the Southern Lights were founded, but we were saying, like, ah, oh, there should be an LGBTIQ plus ice hockey team. And I was, in, we were sort of joking about it, but neither of us were going to put it together because we weren't really involved in any of the hockey stuff here. But then when the Lights did get formed, I genuinely don't remember how I found out that they had formed, but I definitely <laughs> knew about them by the time that they did one of the come and try days at Midsummer, And that's actually how I first got involved was I went to that come and try day because I thought, why not? This could be interesting. Um, and <laughs> the, the vice president, Brendan. So when I remember when we went to that come and try day, they split us into two groups. And I said, those of you who have hockey experience go over here. Those of you who have no skating experience go over here. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know where I should go because I have skating experience, but I have no hockey experience whatsoever. So I went to the hockey experience area and I had no idea what I was doing. Like I was just sort of following the instructions for the drills and messing things up. And I don't know, I thought I was crap. But then afterwards, when the sort of people went to the pub at, at one of the Docklands pubs after, Brendan was just like, so what team do you play for? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Oh, you know, you obviously, you know, of experience, you've obviously been playing for someone. I was like, no. And like, he sort of, I don't know if he did that on purpose or like that he was like faking to build my confidence or if he genuinely <laughs> believed that, but it did actually build my confidence. And um, at that time, the Southern Lights sort of about once a month was doing a social skate at Docklands. And so I kept going to those and they had their first season, but I didn't sign up for their first season. But then when the second season was rolling around, I was really thinking about it. This was in the middle of 2019. And I don't know, I think I just sort of like clicked the button or did something. And then next thing you know, they were asking for payment and I was paying them. And then next thing you know, they're like, oh, your first game's next week. And I was like, wait, what? I don't have equipment. What do I do? And then I was sort of told like, oh, maybe start with these pieces of equipment. You can borrow this stuff. And next thing you know, I'm on the ice. I had no idea what i was doing like it's probably not the best example of why how people should get involved but like literally that's how i fell into it <laughs> and you did tell well, me <laughs> you did tell me before you come on that there was one one that uh, you talk about experience and there was one incident 
where you went offside. <laughs> Can you just explain right. to the listeners? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> so I didn't really know the rules. So I, I, the basic rules of hockey, I knew from as a kid going to like one or two, I never went to a Bruins game, but I went to like one or two college games. I definitely went to a few high school games. Um, both the men and women's teams, but I didn't really know the rules. I knew icing. That was, you know, probably the most important one I knew. I didn't know there was a thing called offsides. I know soccer offsides, but I didn't know it. So I just went like way offside and just didn't really know, got the thing blowed against me. And then the ref pulled me over and he was very nice. He just goes, I know you're learning, but that was very offside. <laughs> okay. And then I went back to the bench and then Shelly, bless her soul, explained offsides to me. And she also apologized for not telling me before. And I'm like, well, you didn't know. I didn't know this rule. <laughs> I don't think she realized that I had no clue what I was doing. Like literally I'd signed up like a week or two before and it was just sort of thrown <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> but but offsides to me and I, I never did it on purpose again. I'm sure I've gone offside since then, but not often. See, it's a good thing that everyone loves you because you might've been out the door straight away <laughs> after that. <laughs> Um, what were your first impressions of the Southern Lights um, from the first time you went there? Well, look, they were a very friendly bunch that obviously came out also from just the way that Brendan <laughs> sucked me in. But no, look, obviously a very friendly bunch. It was very clear that um, the values, I mean, look, obviously people want to win, but I mean, I must admit our very first season we lost every match and some by quite considerable numbers and obviously the club we've improved a lot since then but winning wasn't everything and that was actually something important to me we also didn't want to lose every game um that changed the second season but yeah that was a very important value and just people being really encouraging like even though i didn't know what the hell i was doing still everyone in the change room was like oh you're doing such a good job noah and i'm like are you all really just being nice or like do you really mean that? And I think it was probably a bit of both, but that encouraging atmosphere is something that's never gone away um, at every level of the club, which was fantastic. I've asked people this before and I might get your take on it. It, it seems like it's the Southern lights. It's, it's a lot, it's like a, it's a meeting place. And then I always think that the hockey is, it's, it's a place for people to come together. And then, there, and then there's the hockey. Did you, did you find that as well? And no, it probably is both. Like, look, so I know quite a bit about queer sporting clubs because my partner used to play for the Melbourne Chargers, which is the, the gay rugby club here in Melbourne. And I've got friends who've been involved in some of the other gay sporting clubs in Melbourne and in a few in other cities. And often they they are a meeting place. Like often um, it's people who, you know, they're looking for a way to meet other other queer people. And it's a sort of social social thing first and then a sporting thing second i do think with the lights it's, it's sort of it's a mix and i think part of that is to do hockey like you really you can't just wake up one day and decide i'm going to go join this ice hockey club like you have to learn how to skate you have to know how to skate the equipment is really expensive it is an investment so i think for a lot of people like the game the sport the activity is actually quite central to it but I do also agree that with the lights, the social aspect and the culture of the club is a really important one that also is what brings a lot of people into this particular club. And were you always a confident out gay person around sport and sporting clubs or has Southern Lights helped you in that regard? 
Southern Lights is definitely, look, I wasn't, yeah, definitely Southern Lights has helped in that regard. So I haven't played soccer since high school. Oh, no, that's a lie. I played in a, inter- sorry, I briefly played on an <laughs> intramural soccer team at uni, and we called ourselves off in the shower, so that if any time we lost, the other team would have to say they beat off in the shower. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I wasn't really, but like I said, I, I've been associated with the Melbourne Chargers, um, which is a gay sporting club. So I'm certainly aware of the importance of them and the values of them. And and my partner, he had no interest in sport whatsoever until he got sucked into the Melbourne Chargers. And then he became like addicted to rugby and he's now a ref. So queer sporting clubs have this effect on people, I suppose. And um, I think I went off topic and digressed from what you actually asked. So I don't know if I actually answered. Look, it's one of those things where it's sort of, I don't think that there was... To be honest, it's not that homophobia was actively keeping me away. That is the experience for a lot of other people. Like, I know that, and I'm sure plenty of the people you've spoken to, that's the case. That wasn't the case for me, but I just never felt any interest or anything compelled to entice me into them. And there was something about a queer club that I suppose enticed me in and then got me interested in the sport that way. Yeah, it's it's funny because I don't even play hockey. Like I've never played hockey before in my life. But someone like Brendan, um, is I wouldn't I don't say I wouldn't say he pushes me, but he always nudges me to get involved with Southern Lights. And he's and even though I'm I'm not a player and I've never actually gone down to watch a game yet, but someone like Brendan is always welcoming, open arms. It's it's so cool. Well, one thing that's intriguing that so again no i know quite a bit about queer sporting clubs and most of the ones in melbourne there's always a small number of straight allies in the club but like the vast majority of players are lgbtiq plus in in all these clubs now the southern lights is really different like i think when it started it was majority lgbtiq plus nowadays and, and look, and again, we don't police anyone's identity. We don't ask anyone's identity. And it's not an issue, what I'm about to say. Like, it is not a problem at all. But, like, we're probably 50-50, if even that. At sometimes on some of the teams, I think the straight allies outnumber. And, 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 I mean, that, I think, is distinct to Southern Lights from a lot of the other queer clubs in Melbourne. But it's also distinct when it comes to queer ice hockey clubs. And I didn't really think about this till. A year ago, I was visiting home. Um, I was visiting Boston, and I was there for about a month, and that's the longest I'd been there in years. And so before I went, I got in touch with Boston Pride Hockey, and they've been um, running in Boston. I mean, I I only learned about them then. I looked them up. They've been around since 1989 um, doing weekly stuff in Boston. And I, I reached out to them, and I was like, hey, I'm visiting from Melbourne, but I used to live in Boston grew up here i'm just gonna be here for about a month and i'd really love to come to some of your events and participate but i'm not bringing my gear from australia like you know is it possible to get anyway i had to i bought some used skates you can do that in the us i bought um a used stick and i bought a used helmet but and the club was very generous and one of the people from the club loaned me equipment and so I did three of their scrimmages and like, I was like terrible, but they were super friendly and super generous. <laughs> but where I was going with this is like, when I was telling them about the Southern Lights, they were shocked that we had so many straight guys because for their club, there's a very small number of straight people, like only about three. So it's much more in line 
with a lot of the queer sporting clubs that aren't the Southern Lights in Melbourne. And I think that also has a lot to do with just the sport in general, where talking to a lot of these people, um, a lot of them had been involved in ice hockey since they were kids, but they really hated the sort of toxic masculinity of a lot of the, the culture, which it's it's much more it's much more so in a place like Boston. Like when I look at other clubs in beer league in Melbourne, I mean, I don't see much of that at all, to be quite honest in other clubs, which is a great thing, but that's why Boston pride hockey exists. And that for the few straight guys attracted them into the club, which is really, really interesting. But when I was like, Oh, our club is like half straight people. They were like, what? I don't know. We've never really thought about it. Just we, They like our culture. They would fit in, you know, we like them. So it's fine. But they were sort of shocked that there were that many. That's really cool. It's really cool. It, it, I think it t- shows you that the Southern Lights are, are, are doing a really good thing um, here in Melbourne for, well, for absolutely. And, and talking to the straight straight members of the club, like I've, a few of them, like, you know, why did you join this club? A few of them, it's because they have a gay or gay relative. A few of them, it's just because they heard we have a good culture and they wanted to be a part of it. And like I said, we love them. They love us. It's, it's not even an us and them. I shouldn't be talking like this. Um, like it's it's just a all around really welcoming environment, and that's the way they all should be, all clubs. And just a little side note: the cool thing is, I'm getting in contact with people from Boston because of you for season two yeah. next year. That's, so that's the cool thing. Well, I stayed in touch with the with a few of them because they were just so generous people. Like they were amazingly welcoming, friendly, also encouraging. So what they do is they they run a well, when I was there, they did a weekly pickup scrimmage, which anyone was allowed to go to, and that's what I was allowed to participate in. They also run their own league where they have four teams and, you know, they have weekly matches and then finals and everything. And that's actually very common in Boston because it's so such a popular sport. I mean, they were like, you know, Boston, the Boston metropolitan area is about the same population as Melbourne metropolitan area. We have three ice rinks in Melbourne. There is a rink in like every suburb in Boston. <laughs> like every <laughs> suburb. You can't even count how many there are. So obviously it's very different in them running a league. But um the other thing I found fascinating was for their scrim they, what they try to do is they don't really break up into divisions the way that we do, where we have the different divisions in beer league and you sort of go into the division where your skill level is. They're just all completely mixed. But what they try to do is balance out people's skill levels so that the teams are, are all balanced i would be terrified doing that <laughs> um honestly but i've spoken to people who they as adults only started playing ice hockey and it's really worked for them and it's built their skill levels really quick so maybe there's something in that but certainly at the scrimmage more what one thing they were very conscious about and they told me about this is they want to make sure everyone gets a go so even people who are at a lower skill level they make sure you know the, the tougher players sort of ease off a little bit when they get the puck during a scrimmage, which I was very grateful for when it, when I was playing there, because oh my god, by by Melbourne standards, I'm B four. By Boston standards, I'm like D ten or whatever, whatever <laughs> it would be. Standard of ice hockey there is way higher, which is not surprising given it's a an ice hockey town. Well, I was going to mention that you've gone from C two to B four, so you can't be too bad with a a, a stick in a puck. Better. I've gotten better. I had my, I wouldn't say first, but I had this last week, like we, there was a, I had a bit of a battle against the boards, which I don't do often, but I was pretty proud of it because I think I won the battle against the boards. <laughs> I was exhausted. I was like, damn, that takes a lot out of you. <laughs> um, And you mentioned to me about your dad. He was a hockey player. 
Uh, and yeah. you said that your dad was was really proud when when he found out that you had started playing hockey. I'm guessing I'm guessing they're still back in Boston. Yeah, yeah, my whole family's still in Boston. Yes. Yeah. No, he was so well. He was shocked, but he was just so stoked that I picked up ice hockey. And he told me that I didn't know this. I knew he played as a teenager, but like back then, he said they the only time they could get ice was at two a.m. I was like. What he's like? Well, yeah, the rinks were open twenty four hours, and because that's the only time we could we could get ice time. But he was so stoked. And look, my parents aren't together anymore. But it was my mother who told me I didn't know this. She said your dad was the really wanted you to play when you were a kid, and you just had no interest, and you don't remember this. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. But so yeah, he was super excited that I'm playing ice hockey now. <laughs> that's really cool. But two a.m. is terrifying. <laughs> you know, right? I was like. The hell, I mean, we get 1040 games are pain in the ass enough, but you know, if you're a teenager in Boston in whatever decade my dad would have been a teenager in the 19 late 50s, early 60s, I guess you don't care. I don't know, they're not television. What else are they going to do? And because that's what I've said to Brendan, I've told Brendan, I'll come down and do a, a, a try and skate day, and I'm happy to join the club and play. I'd love to play, but I live an hour and a half from Melbourne, and you play at 1040. I'd be getting home, <laughs> I'd be getting home at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Say this is interesting. The boss again. I'm, I keep bringing it back to Boston Pride Hockey, and I shouldn't, but they've got people coming from hours away who come to play in that because you know that is the queer, the queer club. So I guess if you're playing for your your normal one, like I said, there's a million options. But like even there, people are coming from a few hours away every week because they want to be a part of this, which is great. And it is the same in Melbourne. I mean, I'm sometimes a pain because. Um, with dramas i don't drive my partner's car so i'm always bumming lifts off people um to get to the (laughs) but like it's worth it it's worth it and i know i mean you're an hour and a half away i mean i'm dexter on our team who's been like one of the earliest players he's also about an hour and at least an hour away from packingham to to reservoir however long that is and he's doing that every week so you really don't have an excuse if you have a car (laughs) Don't have a car, maybe you have an excuse. <laughs> well, I love my sleep, but my work There's, alarm. Oh, we've had players come down from Bendigo before. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I admit it would be long and it would be a pain, but um, people are doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, I love, I love my sleep, but my work alarm is four thirty a.m., so it's not real friendly. <laughs> you know, there's other people on the team. That's the case as well. You're not alone. <laughs> uh, bring it back to Southern Lights. Um, yes. What has Southern Lights done for you? Oh, look, it's given me a whole new group of friends. That's for sure. Um, I absolutely love hanging out with the other players. Um, it's definitely increased my fitness because I'll admit I was so lazy and really I don't go to the gym. So I wasn't really doing anything before picking up ice hockey. But even on top of that, but sort of um, an add on to it was that during the last lockdown i was just so like going stir crazy like all of us but part of it was also me missing being on ice skates so i bought a pair of rollerblades during the last lockdown and started rollerblading every day and i still do like uh except for days that i have hockey on i still rollerblade almost every day unless it's raining and i can't like so and that's something that was sort of a, an add on from the southern lights but it's been really good for my fitness doing that so there's that, there's the social aspects, and it's got me interested in hockey. <laughs> I was until this, I wasn't, and now suddenly I'm interested in hockey. Yeah, and that's only a good thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what 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 have you seen Southern Lights do for others since joining? I think it's been a similar confidence builder for other people. Um, I've certainly seen that with a few other players. The social aspect is something as well. For some of the players I've spoken to, especially some of the, the women players, what's been really interesting is they've talked about how I think one person who's played for a very long time in various clubs and other places, and I, I don't, probably wouldn't be appropriate to say who they are, but I'm sure they'd be happy to, to share it, was that it's the first time that they've been in a change room that is majority men and there is no misogyny or sexism going on whatsoever. And they just feel totally comfortable as, as a woman in a change room with all these men. And I think that's really awesome that, that, you know, that's the way that we guys are behaving. And it's, it is mixed, you know, in some of the teams, there's a lot more men than women. Some it's 50, 50. I think there's at least one team that was almost all women. So it, it is all mixed, but that was really awesome to hear from that particular person. Um, and also with the the trans and non-binary members, the fact that like it's a non-issue for us and we totally affirm them as who they are. I think that's something that people have also expressed is just because there is so much toxic debate. Debate's not even the right word. There's just so much toxicity out there right now, as we said about trans people and trans people in sport. It's not actually about sport, but sports being weaponized because it's a low-hanging fruit that can play on people's fears. But that toxicity is out there, but not where we are and not in our club and everyone is welcome and they can and should be whoever they are. And yeah, I think that's a great thing about the club. Yeah, that that is super cool. And it makes me happy to hear that um, I've taken a break off X slash Twitter because it's just too toxic and there's just so much stuff on there that's just... It's just not healthy, and it, it borders on unsafe with a lot of stuff. So that's really cool to hear that in the lock in the locker room. Yeah, well, and look again, that's that's going off what people have told me, but it's certainly something that several people have said. Like we do have like we do have sometimes inappropriate discussions in the locker room, but they're not misogynistic and they're not sexist. They're just inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one last one before I let you go. It's when I ask everyone when they come on, why would you recommend the Southern Lights to either a uh, a person in the LGBTIQ plus community or someone who's an ally? Because you're welcome. Because you're welcome here and, you know, you will be affirmed no matter who you are. And everyone's friendly and will give you a big hug and welcome you. Well, not everyone will give you a big hug. I'll give you a big hug and welcome you. <laughs> yeah, we, we We need more hugs in life, I think. I too, actually. I'm totally for that. <laughs> um, no, look, is it... no, it's being cheeky, but honestly, it is just such a welcoming environment and, and very encouraging. Like, people make, like I said, I screw up and make mistakes all the time, and you're still getting quotes saying that I don't. <laughs> like, that's the culture of the club. It's, it's about encouraging people, and that encouragement, I think, really helps build people's confidence and, you know, makes them better players. Yeah, if, if you're making mistakes... And you're still getting called ten out of ten. That's 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 pretty good. <laughs> ten out of ten, what is what I'm wondering? Like on what scale? <laughs> um, before I let you go, is there anything that you want to plug? Um, to let people know where they can find you or anything like that. Uh, people really want to find me. Just Google me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, out, I'm the only Noah Reisman in the world. So if you Google me, you'll find me. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Noah, um, I've really enjoyed the chat um, tonight. Um, thanks for coming on. I appreciate everyone that comes on. And yeah, I, I look forward to catching up with you when I finally get down to the rink at, and, at Southern Lights. Right. When you take that hour and a half drive and you finally join us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no excuses. <laughs> That's right. Thanks so much for the invitation, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Just want to thank Noah for coming on the podcast today. That is episode number 10. We are nearly done for season number one, which is really cool. I didn't think I'd get to this many episodes when I first had this thought of launching the podcast. But thank you, Noah, for coming on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I I did. Noah is an awesome person who does a lot of great things for the LGBTIQ plus community. Once again, we are part of Hockey Hype Australia, the Hockey Hype Australia podcast network. You can find my work and others at hockeyhypeaustralia.com.au. You can find us on the socials at Pride Puck Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find Hockey Hype Australia on the socials at Hockey Hype AUS. And until next time, I'll talk to you then.